You're listening to another hope-filled podcast from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifenz.org. And God is wanting to really interrupt who we are and cause us to live this enabled life. The Holy Spirit, what He enables us. Marie talked about that last week. And then also, the Holy Spirit desires to lead us. And I've been thinking this week about what does it look like to live a Holy Spirit-led life? Is He really leading me? And you would say, well, I hope so, Pastor. Because you're the pastor of the church and uh, every campus, no matter if you feel a million miles from God or you feel right in the zone today, I want to tell you that the Holy Spirit wants to lead you to a new level. There's something about his enablement that takes us beyond where we are. And I was thinking, uh, you know, we often as human beings, if you're like me, uh, we find ourselves believing that uh, our future is in our ability to remain in control. Think about that. Human nature wants to control everything. As long as I'm in control, I'll secure my future. And I was thinking, why is that? Because you see, a controlled outcome is going to produce natural limitation. When you begin to open up the pages of Scripture, it's like the Holy Spirit saying, you can live in control, but if you would relinquish your control, And allow me to lead you. I'll lead you beyond the sphere of your natural ability. That's why I get so excited that I'm somebody that's commissioned to live with the Holy Spirit. I think often we seek to control our environments because we're living with damaged trust. And that damaged trust causes us to question whether we can really trust the leading of the Holy Spirit. However... What we seek to control ultimately controls us. So if you're a control freak, whether it's damaged trust or it's just that you think your future becomes secure through your own control, remember it will ultimately control you. This thought in John 14 and verse 12, Jesus speaks and he says, this is very most assuredly. In other words, come on, there is no compromise in what I'm about to say. I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these will he do because I go to my Father. I took some time to go back to the original. The word belief is not like, well, I'm a Christian. I believe in the things of God. No, he who trusts in me. You you can be a believer turning up to church every Sunday. And yet not have the trust activated to be allowed or position for the Holy Spirit to be allowed to lead you. He who believes in. It's not like my Christianity is on the radar. No, no, I'm in this thing. I'm literally dependent today and tomorrow and the next day in my seasons of darkness, in my seasons of light. Holy Spirit, would you step in and lead me? And Jesus was saying, you're going to get this church. Don't allow your circumstance to rule you. That you're in the best day in history that you can lead into a realm of supernatural breakthrough that you have never seen before. Yeah, but I don't feel like that. Well, again, feelings cannot be allowed to control our future. Whatever you ask in my name, Jesus went on to say, that the Father will do. If you ask anything, in other words, if you allow your life to be positioned So you are being led by the Holy Spirit and you are doing what the Father wants. Nothing's impossible for you. 
But as long as you keep in control, you're going to miss out on the potential of a Holy Spirit-led life. goes on in verse 16, and I'm going to pray, said Jesus, that he will give you another helper, that he may abide. Note the wording. He's going to stay with you. The Holy Spirit of truth, the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. Earlier in the year, I was touching on this verse. It's kind of like the world doesn't see him and doesn't know him. I think a lot of the church. Have we seen him this week? Did we go looking for him? Or do we allow the circumstance to be the visual imprint on our lives? Did we go seeing him? Because once we see him, we'll know him. And he's going to be with you. It was about three years ago I felt, and again, another one of those seasons, the Holy Spirit, just in some time with him, tapped me on the shoulder and said, Paul, I need to take the steering wheel. Paul, would you just let me take the lead in this next season? It's an amazing thing, isn't it, that we can be blind but not know we are. One of the great inspirations of my life has been understanding a little bit about the life of a woman born in the 1800s. I've often used her life as an example. I think her life echoes into our today. Her name's Helen Keller. And if you know anything about her story, she became an American author, political activist, and was a lecturer. And, uh, but her story goes like this. At two years of age, she contracted a virus that left her both deaf and blind. And because of that, of course, because she was only two, she ended up being mute. At the age of eight, six years later, her parents made a decision that uh, they would team her up, pair her up with a teacher by the name of Anne Sullivan. And Anne began to teach Helen how to communicate by spelling words into her hand. In fact, Anne stayed with Helen her entire education process, and she became the first deaf and blind person to earn a Bachelor of Arts degree. In talking about that when she began her education with Anne, she said, have you ever been at sea in a dense fog when it seems as if tangible white darkness has shut you in and the great ship, tense and anxious, groped her way through toward the shore with a plummet and sounding line? In other words, that's how you would check out the depth of the water beneath you. And you waited with a beating heart for something happened. Well, I was exactly like that. I was like a ship before my education began. Only I was without compass and sounding line, and I had no way of knowing how near the harbor was. Light, I cried, give me light, was the wordless cry of my soul. And the light of love shone on me in that very hour. In fact, she goes on and talks about the seeing and, and how they don't see even though they can see. Recently, she said, I was visited by a good friend who had just returned from a long walk in the woods and I asked her what she had seen. And the seeing friend said, well, nothing in particular. She says, I became incredulous because I had not been accustomed to such response. In fact, for a long time, said Helen, I've become convinced that the seeing see little. I wonder if God today would look at my life and go, you see so little. 
You've become hardened because of what you've gone through or your pursuit of control. And you've become spiritually blind. And the Holy Spirit says, I want to activate something within you. Come on down south and up at north. I, I want you to realize that John 14 is not just a mere rhetoric for a Sunday morning. It's you're in the greatest time in history. Are you living it? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit, Paul, to lead you? Uh, one of the business uh, families in the church came up to me recently and said they had been through the worst season that they could remember seven months of absolute drought in business. And so in their quiet time in the morning, it's like, Holy Spirit, what do we do? Felt this impression to go into each one of their branches and have communion. So they walked in and had communion in each of the branches. And the story just goes that the miracle began to flow. And the succeeding months have seen some of the best months ever in the history of the business. And I just wonder sometimes whether it's a personal situation or it's, it's something that is, again, affecting our worlds where we're really being led by the Holy Spirit. Uh, John 16 and verse 7 Again, Jesus says, nevertheless, I tell you what, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. You know, and all week I've been thinking, I've got an advantage. Come on. What's your advantage? You're in business, you're married, you're as a Christian, come on down south. What's, are you living your advantage? Are you, are, are you living your strength? Are you, are, are you realize, realizing that, hey, this is not just about you, that uh, it is to your advantage, said Jesus. Are we activating our advantage? Are we literally standing and going, you know what? Thank God I'm Holy Spirit led. I, I have the Spirit of God. I'm playing to my strength. I want to stir you up today. I, it's kind of like you, you may be gifted, but why live within the margin of your gift? Why not activate your advantage? Come on, you may be in the best season of your life, and yet God says the Holy Spirit is with you. He, he's, he's a part of who you are. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, Acts 2.16. It will come to pass in the last day, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Oh, I'm getting more excited in the 840 here. I'm going to have to come south or north, do something like that. It's kind of like, what do you mean? Hey, your sons and your daughters. When I walk into their bedroom, they're prophesying. <laughs> when was the last time you prophesied? Hmm. Stop long enough to say, Holy Spirit, what do you want to say? Are we living our strengths? Are we playing to our... Come on, advantage? Or sometimes are we a little bit like a bull in a paddock? That the only way we can be led is by a nose ring. Because we're so used to being the leader of the pack. Come on, it's like, I've I got things to say to you today about your marriage, says the Holy Spirit. I've got answers for your business. I've got keys for the depth of your darkness. I've got things that will literally transform who you are. So I'm going, God, how have you led me? Holy Spirit, what are some of the things I've learned and am learning? Because you never stop. 
And this morning, I want to give three of them. Tonight, I'm going to give the other four. But things that I've learned, I think one of the great ways that the Holy Spirit leads me, and I'm Holy Spirit-led, is through the illumination of God's Word. Can I just say this to us as a church, not getting religious, but if the only word we're hearing is a preacher on Sunday, we're not living our advantage. It's like, I really enjoyed that message. What did you enjoy? I love the story about, well, that story's not going to change you. Come on, that story may enlighten you, but the illumination of God's word is what changes us. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. I don't feel God. I don't feel his presence like I used to. You've got to go back to the word. The moment you begin to open the pages and read the word, nothing was made without him, without the word. And through him, everything was established. I remember as a teenager, finding myself... uh, in a place of conflict because I had a lot of friends that weren't believing like I believed. They had no faith in God and I got very kind of empty and is it worth it? Nothing's ever changing. And I remember still as a teenager going to God's word and reading 2 Corinthians 4, all of it, but verse 3 says this. I felt like as I read it, it jumped out at me that if our gospel is veiled, it's going to stay veiled to those that are perishing. And yes, Paul, the God of this world or this age has blinded them and they don't believe. But you've got to understand this, lest the light of the glorious gospel of God should shine on them. And that's the image of God. And I found myself understanding that it doesn't matter about how somebody responds, light always penetrates darkness. Come on, and that illumination, that that to me changed everything so that now it doesn't matter. I don't have to try and give the four spiritual laws or the six spiritual steps to faith. I just bring light. Knowing that that light penetrates a dark heart and they can't lie, darkness can't extinguish it. They can choose not to respond to it, but they can't put it out. So the more the light that goes in, the more damage the kingdom of heaven is doing to the kingdom of darkness. So why give up? Come on, some of us have given up. Oh, well, they're not responding. Why don't you just keep adding another little flecker of light into that darkness? That was the illumination of the Word of God. And when I say illumination, there's a word called the Rima word, which is the quickened Word of God. And that's what the Holy Spirit, as you begin to read the written Word of God, the Holy Spirit illuminates. He quickens something to you and it becomes alive in you and you are then a possessor of divine revelation come on every campus we should be walking into work as possessors of divine revelation it's like i'm not here to argue your faith and my faith i just possess something that the holy spirit has illuminated me with we're going to come back to the bible acts 4 and verse 31 when they had prayed the place where they were At 8.40 in the morning, a little bit extra there, (laughs) was shaken, and they were filled. Whoa. What does that mean? Nothing else had space to operate. (laughs) They were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the Word of God with boldness. So much of our belief is an afterthought. Come on. What are we going to do? Well, we haven't even got the illumination They had boldness. What that means is they were confident. They were frank. I like that with my Dutch blood. 
And they were free. They were frank. They were up front. Oh, I don't like you being so up front to defend. Listen, the Holy Spirit is going to use the word of God to release you if you choose to embrace it. Come on, the illumination of God's word. And can I just say today again, let's always remember God's word is God's word. I don't care what you say the Holy Spirit tells you. If it doesn't fit within the boundary pegs of God's word, I'm not buying in. Doesn't matter how many angels turned up at your place. Doesn't matter how many supernatural miracles you experience. If it doesn't fit the word of God, it doesn't fit me. And by the way, let's not compromise the word of God to what does fit us. Mm -hmm. You want to be led by the Holy Spirit? Come on, let's find ourselves in the word and say, that's the boundary pegs of my life. And I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit as I read it today. Well, I've done my Bible reading. I've done my Bible through the year. That's cool. But religion can do that. I ticked the chapter off. Or did we say, Holy Spirit, illuminate something? Come on. Rima, quicken it. Whoa. Wow, what was that? I went looking for it. I was like, wow. I'm walking into work with something quickened in my heart. It might have just been the word in or at or is or on. But something happened. It became alive in me. You're with me today. Come on through the wonder, the illumination of God's word. How does the Holy Spirit lead us? Secondly, through his still small voice. I'm a busy man. People always say to me, they say, how's your year going? I used to defend it and say, well, it's a good year. It's a tough year. I just go now, it's a busy year. My life will always be busy. Once I settled that, I didn't excuse it anymore. But in the busy... I've had to realize the Holy Spirit is not always busy. So therefore, I've got to step out of busy. Come on, when Jesus was baptized, what happened? The Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove. The nature of a dove, as many would have heard over the years, is gentle. It's kind of like, you know, if I'm into it, I'm into it. But it's like, slow down. I'm tapping you on the shoulder. Step aside. I don't like stepping aside, but you need to. I'm the boss. You're not. Come on, when the sun begins to rise, go for a walk and just sit on the beach. I don't like sitting on the beach. Just sit on the beach, watch the sun rise. Uh, Stop. You know, Anthony, who was here this morning in Central, uh, when he came last time to sisters with his sister, he wasn't allowed to speak at all. And uh, because he had doctor's orders as they... We're allowing his voice to recover. But he said to me just yesterday, I think it was, he said, I was at the time writing. Somebody had asked me to write a book. He says, it's amazing how much inspiration I got when I stopped speaking. That was like an illuminated word. That's for you, Paul. It's like, shut up, will you? (laughs) Come on, how many need to hear that now and again? No, no, don't point at people sitting next to you like that. And I think that's still small voice. Mark 1.35, it was in the morning. Jesus having risen a long time. This is a word for a few people. A long time before daylight. That's a word for teenagers. What did he do? He went out and departed to a solitary place. And he prayed. I can be the son of God. I can have all these gifts. I can have this commission on my life. I need to be led today. I need to be led. I need the illumination of the word of God. I need the Father speaking to me. 
I need the wonder of him taking me. And Simon and Peter and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him. And they said to him, everybody's looking for you. I just want to say again for all of us, come on. This is a word to me as much as anyone. Everybody's going to be ringing your number. Everybody's going to ask you for something. That's not an excuse if you are to be led by the Holy Spirit. For all of us, we need to stop to get the still, small voice. I call it the place called quiet. You're going to find this place called quiet where no matter what's happening around you, you create time to breathe and to be breathed upon. A place called quiet is a place where you are arrest unhealthy emotions. We all have emotions. They come to us every day. But you've got to ascertain what's a healthy emotion, what's an unhealthy emotion. The residue of the past is an unhealthy emotion. When you find yourself in reaction rather than response. And by the way, if you live with inflammation, you will always react. You've got to deal with unhealthy emotions. The place called quiet is a place where we refocus an eternal perspective. It's like, it's not really about just the here and now. I'm responsible for the here and now, but it's about the big picture. And I found that I can find quiet when I focus the finish line. It's not over yet. The race is still running. It doesn't matter what just happened. A place called quiet is where we declare divine truth. So we're illuminated, but then we speak it, we prophesy it. Come on. How many times are we allowing what's happening to take our conversation? So we talk about the things of God, but we don't bring the prophetic edge and speak to it. And I have to find quiet for that to happen. And the place called quiet is where I listen for the Holy Spirit's insight. It's like I can be reading the word, but I'm, I'm listening. Holy Spirit, what do you want to say to me? It's not like, wow, that's a great thought for a message. Kind of the pressing of the mute button on everything else, and I'm just listening for that. And in the seasons where we have a lot on, this place called quiet is something we need to work for, to be willing to be led. Uh, I'm moved by many of the Old Testament examples. Elijah, you'll know the story, he's just called down fire from heaven, and it's miraculous, but as he achieves this great feat, he's in his soul fatigued, emotionally fatigued. And he hears that Jezebel's about to, well, she said that she's going to do the same to him. So he runs and he finds himself, member, And an angel comes and gives him food and says, sleep, take a break, eat something. And then after that, he finds himself in a cave. And 1 Kings 19.9, there he went into the cave. He spent the night in that place. Listen to this. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. You've got to find your cave. Even in the worst of times, you've got to find this place called quiet. And he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Come on, I'm speaking to everybody. What are you allowing the storm to rule you right now? What, what are you doing here, Elijah? He said, well, God, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant. They've torn down the altars. They've killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left. Whew. Can we ever got to that point? Well, nobody else is doing it. Why do I have to do it? It's kind of like, I'm the only one holding the guard here. It's kind of like, no, 
See, the Holy Spirit, as Marie said last week, helps us see what we don't see. This place called quiet. This place. And so God said to him in verse 11, go out, stand on the mountain before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by. And there was a great and a strong wind that tore into the mountains, broke the rocks into pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After that, the fire, there was a still, small voice. I like rock splitting, fire breathing. Come on, wind raging Pentecostal meetings. And I'm not saying God's not in it. But I want to tell you, the Holy Spirit is in the still, small voice. It's what you hear, not what happens around you. That changes your future to be led. The final thought for this morning is through a follower's obedience. If I'm to be Holy Spirit led, then not only am I a believer or a distant follower, I'm an obedient person. Can I just say that belief and even your past record as far as your commitment to Christ does not guarantee obedience. Obedience is a very today thing. So that's why we can nod in approval in church, but not go out and change anything, and then we just stay the same. A follower's obedience for me is something that is challenging. Am I leading the charge or am I being led? As I said before, who's at the helm? Who's really in the driver's seat over my life? over my family's life, over my future and the decisions I make every day. Paul writes in Romans 8.13, he says, if you live according to just you, your gifts, your strength, you're not playing your advantage. In fact, you will die. And we go, well, I'm not dying. Well, you're more dead than you realize you are because you're walking through the forest and you're not seeing anything anymore. It's been a long time since you've had a prophetic edge. It's been a long time since you lived beyond the boundaries of your own circumstance. But, Paul writes, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live in this classic verse 14, for as many. I wonder if I'm found in the many. As are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Then it goes on, verse 15, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The moment I'm led by the Spirit, I find myself in proximity with the Father's heart. And he comforts me and he strengthens me. I was thinking about those with visual impairment or blind. We understand in our society, I'm going to ask the teams come come and join me, is that uh, it's a great thing if you're visually impaired or can't see to have a seeing eye dog. And so these seeing eye dogs come along and they help us see where we can't see and what we don't know. They ultimately provide for those visually impaired freedom and independence. Very interesting, they often become their best friend. I wonder if the Holy Spirit's my best friend. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will what guide you into truth. The truth is, seeing eye dogs, listen to this, they know how to negotiate the hazards. 
Did you know the Holy Spirit knows how to negotiate your hazards? The ones you haven't even met yet? They are trained to handle the unexpected. They instill confidence when faced with the unknown. They are given by the owner access into all areas of their life. And then ultimately they're positioned to become their pilot. The owner is still the owner. The Holy Spirit has never, ever, will never take the right of leading you unless it's entrusted. And that's why you can be a believer, but as many as are led by the Spirit of God, are the sons of God. Man, I look at that. In other words, they say yes. They're obedient. I wonder if the Holy Spirit has received your or mine yes of late. Because God wants to take us on a journey where come on, we live our advantage. We play to our strength. I'm not making that decision until I've had time with the Holy Spirit. I want Him to lead me. How does He lead me? He leads me through the illumination. Come on, the quickening, the rema of His Word. He leads me by me getting out of busy and finding the place called still. So even if I'm experiencing the wonder of the miraculous, I've still got to find still. Because that's where me is penetrated. And then ultimately through this follower's obedience. Come on, I've got to close out. We're going to have a time across all our campuses. In fact, why don't we all stand? We're going to sing together. And I want it to be a time, even if you feel distant from God, where you say, Holy Spirit, would you come to me? But I'm telling it as clear as I can. You know, I feel like there are seven things and I knew I couldn't get them out in one, so tonight I'm going to carry on. But it's like, are we being obedient? Come on, look at me for a moment. You're being obedient to what the Holy Spirit's asked you? Well, I don't even know what. Well, get to a place called still. Find yourself in God's Word and ask for illumination. But then will you say yes? Come on, that's our advantage. I'll go and do that. Sounds crazy. I'll go and do that. You need more oil? Get all the containers. That's crazy. You need to find a way through? Build an ark. No, that's crazy. Obedience leads to an empowered life. Father, we thank you as we worship. Holy Spirit, we invite you right now on every campus just to move with your power and your authority in Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifenz.org.